Welcome to Electronically Yours with Martin Ware. Hi, it's Martin here, Electronically Yours as always. Today's guest is not a household name, but she is exceptionally talented, and I think you'll find this conversation fascinating. Her name is Melpomene Kamanidou, otherwise I want to call her Many during the uh, during the interview. She's an Australian from a Greek family, grew up there, and um, moved to London to seek her fame and fortune. She's kind of avant-garde uh, singer, composer, songwriter, producer, arranger, and lyricist, big advocate for women in music. And I met her through the Ivers Academy and, a, and, a, and a, an advisory committee that I'm part of with her called Future Sound Experience. Uh, she's very imaginative and future-facing, and that's why we get on so well. She used to also be in the medieval babes for about seven or eight years, which is interesting in itself. So here she is, Melpomene Kamanidou. What I want to do is start by uh, asking you about growing up and how you became so obsessed with music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I grew up in Australia. I was born there. And it was kind of at that time a bit of a cultural desert for me because I um, I was playing piano from a really young age. Uh, just because there was a piano in the house and my brother and my sister were playing so and they were older so I just copied them and just played and was always composing little silly pieces and things and um, just really turned to it as a way of expressing myself and sort of getting through life really And then I went to uni, studied music, and I studied 20th century composition. So it was very experimental uh, at the time. Well, a lot of the stuff that I was studying, like Schoenberg and, you know, that sort of avant expression. Yeah. And were you um, uh, always uh, a performer? I mean, as a singer? No. No? No. (laughs) Wow. I, I used to, the only reason I ended up singing was because I was writing songs that were a bit unusual. So no one's going to cover those. Well, not at that time anyway. I mean, I couldn't see anyone covering my stuff, so I had to perform it myself. And it's a bit like how I got into production because I couldn't afford a producer. There was no producer there. So I ended up producing my own stuff when I finally made my own first record. So it was a very DIY kind of development, really, but just through what was around or not around. So yeah. I kept going, you know. I mean, auto, you're an autodidact, I suppose. Well, in some yeah. ways, yeah. 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 Um, uh, but, you, well, self-taught, and uh, um, but you've been obviously taught the technique and stuff. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so how did you learn? I mean, I'm I'm fascinated with people who take a unique path. I've been done so many of these podcasts now, mm. um, and how they get and, and the process by which, or the accidents as well, by mm. by which they get to where they are. Um, it needs quite a lot of purity of vision to go down that experimental route. 
Um, mm -hmm. Certain amount of resources as well, because, I mean, let's face it, you're not going to get rich out of performing a lot of that stuff unless you're very lucky. So, yeah. uh, or, or recording that stuff for mm -hmm. that matter. Yeah. But you, would you say you are driven artistically? I mean, are I, you, are, are, do you have, uh, is it a vocation for you? Yeah, I'm pretty driven. I'm a workaholic, really. I'm addressing this issue in my life. <laughs> but, you know, you have to be. Yeah. If, if you do this kind of music, there's no other way because I have to support myself as well. So, you know, but this has also given me the inspiration for some of the narrative of my albums. So it's it all works out well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and another kind of um, theme that I want to explore with you is... Um, the difficult, uh, often difficult and and problematic path of women in in the musical world. I think we, I mean, we've discussed this before. I'll come on to how we met in a bit, but um, about I like dodging around the timeline because I think things are more important than than uh, chronology. So uh, excuse me for that, but. Um, just going back to the, uh, how did you get involved with the Medieval Babes then? Um, I was playing, I was doing a gig in London. I sort of gigged my first album a lot, just in little clubs here and there. Quite how a lot. Can we hear the first album? Sorry. Um, it's it's actually off Spotify at the moment. I no, mean, I tried to find it. As oh, well. um, because I'm focusing on the new one. But and then the second one. So the new one is the third one. There's a second one as well, which I'm releasing next year after the third, which doesn't make sense, but it will make sense as we speak. And um, yeah, I will probably be selling it on my website soon. Yeah. Right. So, do you, are you not a, a supporter of streaming services? Um, I am. I am. But I've resolved my 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 issues with the streaming services. Oh. But um, I just did it to sort of have a a new beginning. I oh. felt like I needed a new beginning because my sound has changed so much. And I'm making this ambient record at the moment. Um, but the which is kind of a lot easier to listen to. Whereas my first album is not an easy listen. So but, let's just untangle this ball of wool a little bit. I just okay. want to make it clear. I want I want people to be able to hear who you are. So mm -hmm. um, currently, is there anything online that they can hear? Not. Uh, there will be a release on the thirty first of July. Fine. Of one track, and that will be on Spotify. Right. And then. And that's under the name of Sophia Space Agency. Right. So having a name like Malpomene Kamanadu and living with this name, for example. I love it. <laughs> realize that I need to change it, but no one remembers it. So it um it was a bit of a difficult marketing thing, you know. Yeah, I often miss a couple of syllables out. <laughs> Well, Greek is not a concise language, you know. It's um, it's not like English in that way. No, no, no. But, yeah, but the so, yeah, going, going back to the medieval yeah. babes, we were talk, talking about that one. Yeah, I was just playing. I played a lot um, in small clubs around London, 
and and gigged that that album a lot. And they were at one of those gigs and they spotted me and asked me to join, which was great, you know. So that was the next the next phase. I used to play at the Colony Rooms a lot as well. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, I know this. Yeah, yeah, which was a little art club. And what was your, um, what was the palette of sound that we, you were using at that point? At that point for live performances, I was playing piano and singing and right. sort of stretching that as far as I could, bringing sort of little avant-garde um, influences into oh, nice. that and blending it into my sound. And then there was a small tour which involved a band and um, sampling. It was a lot of sampling and found sound right. on that record as well. So um, there who was some... Who are your heroes in, or heroines or however you want to put it in in uh, that field? Who were your kind of models that... Um... Well, my heroes have always been sort of a little bit on the left field side. I I love Laurie Anderson and yeah. Lou Reed. Um, Amanda Gellis. Interestingly, I was compared to her. Yeah, in- I, I, it's that kind of area, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, who else? Who else is my hero? Scott Walker. I love Scott oh, yeah. Walker. I like that they can do mainstream and they can also do very experimental and they're sort of unashamed of that because there weren't very many people like that around at that time. I mean, I think Night Flights, oh, the seminal album, because that was so far down that path that you. I mean, I'd always look to Bowie and you know, mm, amazing that yeah. that kind of you know, Ziggy Pop and all that you know, the idiot and Low and all that, and then you know, kind of Night Flights comes along and and isn't mm. it interesting that the first thing that Bowie did was he, he rang up Scott Walker and said, I you know, I want to produce your next record, and Scott said, right. No, you're all right, thanks. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, true. In fact, I think he wanted to produce Night Flights as well. Um, because he could see that was the future. Mm. Uh, and it, I very much believe that was a, a turning point in uh, popular music, that album. For me, yeah. anyway, it was. I do love that album. It's incredible. Oh. It, it is. So um, where, I'm trying to dig in a bit deeper into your creative process. So, oh, okay. so where do you... Where do you derive inspiration from and what is your kind of songwriting process oh wow well it's actually been really different on each album um so shall we start with the first one so the first one was in was called it was called eight tragedies two love songs and a breakdown right and that was just inspired by um I was reading a book at the time about Freud's hysteria patient called nicknamed Dora, and she couldn't speak. And I thought, well, how, what would she say if she were living today? Interesting. So I took a really sort of female perspective on it, and it, it's kind of the shadow female. Um, and really, I wasn't just talking about 
me. I was talking about life in general, about capitalism, globalization. Um, you know how it sort of takes everybody's freedom away. Yeah. And um just that kind of, you know, how it sort of how life kind of rapes everybody in that way. It, it takes it takes what is not rightfully it takes what's rightfully yours away from you so that it limits your freedom. So totally that was, agree. Totally agree. And that was kind of a bit of a concept. It ran through it ran through the record. And I'm, I co-produced it with two very brave, brave souls, um, Chris McGuinness and Clive Austin. And there was a lot of found sound. So I used sort of feminine symbols like a sewing machine. You know, and I love fashion and it and my mum's a seamstress. You know, I come from this immigrant family, um, grew up in Australia, you know, and I sort of poured a lot of that sort of struggle into it because it, it's hard to survive, especially trying to be an artist and make music, you know, when you're funding your own work. So, yeah, these guys were really brave in taking me on. And there was a lot of found sound, um, some synth bits but not a lot we've we kind of created our own um created our own sounds and filled in frequencies because I decided also <laughs> some of my off-the-wall ideas I decided that I was going to make it an art rock record without guitars Good. so <laughs> it was my belief in electronic the it was having the vision that this was the future, really, and this was my interpretation of it, part of my interpretation of it. And it was a kind of reaction against cock rock as well and all of that yeah. kind of thing. And, you know, I just decided to do it. And it was really interesting because there were so many moments where someone in the room would say, hey, we'll just fill this frequency up with, uh, with a bit of guitar. You know, you won't hear it. But I'm like, uh, no. Uh, so I had to use the word ban in the end. You know, it was limiting the use of really but um but we but we did it and it sounds fine you know we fed back so I would play piano through speakers feed back the sound take that sort of frequency palette put it into the mix and you know and it worked so I like to do things that are extreme as well I like to really go to the boundary and see what's going on there and play with that. I love experimenting, you know, it's. So have you done collaborative work with people before? I mean, I know you collaborated with your producers and. The... Yeah. Um, I would love to collaborate more. Right. Um, but it just, it hasn't really presented itself in my life that much. I mean, one of the things, interestingly, it's interesting you ask that question because the now with my new album, I want that to be as collaborative as possible. Right. Um, and I'm working with someone called Cygnus Rift, and he's kind of done, it's a, it's an ambient record, it's an ambient electronic record about climate change. And he takes the kind of sewing machine found sound thing even further. So he's really interested in acousmatic sound, which is the... Um, taking a sound and removing it from its original source so much that it doesn't even sound like it anymore. So yeah. I have a lot of vocal um, 
vocal snip snippets that don't even sound like a voice, never mind my voice, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's really taking us to interesting places. Oh, good. That sounds yeah. good. I like the yeah. idea of that. Um, creativity, um, is that the fuel that drives your engine? I mean, is that the thing that makes you happiest? Yeah. Mm. yeah. It Definitely. is for me. That's, that's why I mention it. Um, so going back to the medieval babes, sorry to keep yeah. on. I'll no, that's fine. That's fine. It's, it's we a just big part of your that. life, wasn't it? So yeah, yeah, yeah. We did discuss this, and I find this interesting, so I believe that the podcast listeners will. Um, this kind of objectification of women as uh, in, a, in a different context for commercial mm. reasons, which you obviously participated in. What, what's your view on all that stuff? Well, I, do, I, don't, I think we're born objectified when you're born female. And it's just kind of, to some extent, unavoidable because of the nature of your body. Yeah. And its limitations or, or freedoms, depending on how you see it at any particular time. Um, and I know a lot of people at that time, were, I mean, this is when the third wave of feminism was, was rising. And at that time, people were saying things like, oh, well, you can't be a feminist and, you know, wear lipstick. and and I always disagreed with that. I think you can do what you want. Your freedom is what matters, your choices. And if that's what you choose to do with your body, then it's fine. You know, and it's interesting because it was the first classical group that sort of sexed up classical music, wasn't it? But now everyone does it. Yeah. So, it's become almost like a... A, yeah, a trope, you know. Um, so, how, I mean, forgive me because I'm not an expert on the medieval babes. I know, I mean, it does what it says on the tin. I understand um, the um, the the concept of it, um, but it was more down the. Correct me if I'm wrong. It seems to me from the photos that I've seen that it was more kind of selling it into the kind of classic FM audience mm. and that kind of middle class mm. uh, uh, um, earth mother fantasy but that's kind of sexy as well do yeah you, how do you how do you perceive the way that that I know, I know it's just as ultimately a singing group and and, mm. and it's for entertainment so maybe I'm reading too much into it but it just fascinates me all this stuff it's a bit bit like I I met um I met Simon Cowell before he got on telly and he commissioned me to do some production. And uh, he was a big uh, driver for this kind of classical music as, I mean, he was involved in El Devo and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. I'm just fascinated with this popularization of, of classical music. I mean, oh. what's your view on it all? I love that. I mean, if you were lucky enough to learn any of that mind you these days you can learn it on youtube things have changed but you know in those days you would have had to have lessons and all of that and if you were lucky enough to do that then why not you know share the love there's there's amazing things about classical music and it's been around oh, no, I love it. a long time for a good reason so um how sexy were your performances 
mean, not really. I no. think it was just the image of the band, wasn't it? It was, um, you know, glamming up right. music. I mean, why not? Are you not there in like bikinis playing? No, stuff? no, no. I'm I'm being facetious, obviously. <laughs> but, uh, no, but the, the, some of the some of the them have gone a little bit further down that line. All oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, have, and uh, yeah. Well, there was that that there was that thing, wasn't there? You know, in the marketing of yeah, how sexy it was. But but really, I think it was just about um, glamming it up yeah. a little bit. Because people didn't do that in classical music before that. Before the 90s, they just didn't. It's the word babes I have a problem with. I Do you know I had a problem with that? I gunned and gunned to change it. <laughs> I know I quite like the irony of it. because It's you know, meant to be funny, but I, I think know, but... you don't really get the joke. And no, no, no. no I no, really, no. really hey, tried to change it, but, you know, what can I say? That that. That didn't that didn't work. That so part of it. Did it anyway? Did you enjoy the experience? Uh, it was so much fun. Honestly, singing with um, with other people is an experience that yeah. that everyone would benefit from. It's fantastic. It's it was a really great time. We did a lot of touring, and you know, I got a lot of experience as a performer doing that. And you know, there is the use of that raw sort of untrained voice which I like because I've I don't have a trained voice and I, I I would like it to stay that way I mean things could change of course because I do go to extremes you never know <laughs> but um but I like the idea of having that untrained yeah yeah me too raw quality and um would you do musical theater I mean uh, you know as a lead or something it it just doesn't resonate with me I mean I don't know enough about it if I'm, you know, if I really want to dig deeper into that question. I just thought, you know, you're, mm. you're a good-looking lass. Thank you. you know, <laughs> well, you know you're. But, the, uh, <laughs> but, but, I mean, but you have a kind of presence. <laughs> you could probably do acting if you put your mind to it. And, well, stage acting, at least. I mean, you know, kind of stage musical acting. Mm, mm. It's just a thought, anyway. I just got really immersed in music, in in producing music and realising sort of very left-field ideas. I mean, it doesn't have, my career doesn't have to stay that way, and I'm very open to things changing. And, you know, I did leave the medieval babe so I could focus on my own sound. And it was going a bit earth mother, and I'm not a mother, so it wasn't, when something ceases to be truthful, yeah, it's you know. So tell us about the um, Gonal F. Gonal F. Yeah, that's Gonal F album. The so next talk about album. the concept behind all that. And... Okay, so Gonal F is a, a follicle stimulating hormone that what that you inject yourself with when you're going through IVF treatment. And I went through some unsuccessful IVF treatment. So I wrote as a way of healing and self-therapy, which I knew would help others as well. Uh, I wrote an album about that. And it's more traditional than anything I've done. And also being in the Medieval Babes is traditional music too, which I love, but... Really, I am a futurologist as well. Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. 
the future is what and things that haven't been done before is what drives me. I'm really, really curious. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I just I want to discover new things. You know, I've got a real passion for that. This is why we kind of bonded when we first met, I think. Yeah. It's it, we are, you know, kind of like two peas in a pod. Mm. It's really distracting. Because every so often I see the word cunt come and get on this. Put on my mug. On your mug. It's like it's like a uh, a subtitle. <laughs> what you think? Uh, anyway, so I'll just um, take a drink off screen. Yeah. No. 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 It's great. I love it. Um, but I need to do a picture for those on on Instagram so they. Oh can yeah, see. sure. We can see. Sure. What um, I don't want to skate over this because I think it's a very brave thing to to kind of live your very very private life. That's great. Out in public, right? Oh no, I'm I'm okay about it now. It's fine. But that but but so you you were using this extremely traumatic and profound experience as kind mm. of. <clears throat> Uh, as kind of cathartic, a cathartic activity to put mm, mm. That, probably. Yeah, it, that right? it, was, it was really traumatic. And it's probably the reason why that record didn't come out. And, but. But you are putting it out now. I am, right? because I, um, what happened during the lockdown was that I was on the phone with my friend, Heidi Langmead. And we were discussing why we weren't parents, you know. We had about a 1,000 conversations about this. And we decided to put a book together, and I was talking about the frustration of my album not coming out as well. And we decided to sort of put it out there. So we we put a book together of poetry and artwork of everyone else that didn't have, you know, wasn't a parent. And we ended up getting 46 contributors and putting a little book together. So last year we did a very soft launch of the book and I played some of the songs from the album, which I didn't think that I would be able to do because while I made the album and had all these intentions of it being, you know, of of sharing it with others, this, this awful thing that I've been through, very disappointing, you know, traumatic experience, while all of that happened and I thought I would be able to just go out straight away and gig it, I couldn't. And so I did play some songs from the record at the book launch and I got through it. So I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to be able to do this. And I'm in the middle of, you know, getting my third album out now, um, the ambient one. but Which is I, called? Which doesn't have a name yet. But so, the- answers on a postcard, please. Uh, tell me what the vibe. Tell me what the vibe of it is. The vibe of the third one is it's an ambient electronic album about climate change. The first track will be released on the thirty first of July online, and that is called "What a Mess." Yeah, that's pretty pithy. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get brighter with each album. <laughs> That's my vision that that I'm going to make the most joyful album and then die. So hopefully I live long enough to do such. Uh, you know, the lesson I learned in this in on the Gone F album was mortality. You know, the yeah. heart of mortality. The thing is, you in person are quite a, you know, a kind of outgoing joy. You probably inside. I don't know what the hell is happening, but 
that this is i mean you're you know you're a very kind of uh, empathetic kind mm. person who's very thoughtful and uh, i suppose it's a rational response to a fucked up world isn't it uh, well this is it this is it and i and i think we suffering is unavoidable i think this is something that just happens to everybody and i guess i had a bit of a healing vision with right. um with each album that i would start with all the crap that was deep down in there and just slowly bring all that out and then hopefully end up somewhere really light artistically I mean I'm quite a light kind of happy person but that that you know that was the vision well it takes a, it, I think it takes quite a lot of um bravery to to lay your life out in front of people or, or lay out your insecurities your unhappinesses yeah. not necessarily on behalf of yourself which is a very kind of you know solipsistic kind of thing but just to show look i'm going through it too i mean everybody had that kind of right-minded people have had that response to the covid epidemic i think yeah. you know suddenly you realize everybody was struggling everybody who walked past in the street when it was over has gone through a traumatic experience everybody no exceptions yeah yeah None. it's unavoidable it's absolutely unavoidable in life actually completely isolated from mm. Mm. anyway um so i think you know i would love to think that the world has become a more empathy aware place but i'm not entirely sure uh, better i think covid was a, a lesson i think we learned how to work together maybe as a consciousness as a as an earthly consciousness maybe Tell tell us about your um, your self. What's the word? It's not self help. It's, it tells about your regime for for keeping yourself sane. Because <laughs> I, you know, everybody's got their own ways of doing it. I just wonder. Yeah, yeah. I meditate. If I didn't meditate, I I'd be in trouble. Really? I'm, yeah. Are you one of these people that's constantly got ideas? zooming through your head all the time and you have to try and keep the lid on the boiling pot oh isn't it awful Are you I, mean, one... I mean I, I, I'm like that all the time people go oh. where do you get your ideas from I'm going the problem isn't the ideas it's the problem is trying to organize them and fund them yeah absolutely I mean I funded my own work from the yeah. start I'm hoping this is going to change now but you know I've had to fund my own work from the start and yeah I have the say I don't get writer's block I get like creative diarrhea you yeah know, it doesn't stop it's like when am I going to do this <laughs> money you know we find a way I guess we sort of um the stronger ideas are the ones that um that get realized yeah you might well, have to so again how, do it how do you support yourself um how do I support myself well I do you know I do earn music money from music, right. but I also do. Yeah, I was a secretary for very many years, and um, oh, Miss Kimanidu, <laughs> take off your glasses. You're beautiful. Yeah. Oh no, it's just you know you are the servant. So you know I've learned service. That's for sure. I've learned the lesson of service. I think it's time to move on. At, um, and now I'm an event manager. Right. Uh, I work, you know, on sort of sometimes lots of different things, but, you know, I've worked on climate events where I bring people together to sort of throw money into 
it's important. Anna? Uh, the reason I ask this question is because there are a lot of struggling artists out there mm. who feel compelled to create and who love it and it's the meaning to their life. But there's mm. this, this constant battle with uh, how the hell am I going to support myself? And it's difficult. Certainly in London, it's incredibly yeah. difficult. Yeah, yeah. So expensive. It is. I found a really good way of, um, yeah, it is. I mean, especially now that everyone's an artist. You know, in the beginning of my career, hardly anyone was an artist. Now everyone's an artist, which is great. It's really egalitarian. You know, everyone's at it. You know, it's like we're living through another renaissance. But, um, but it, you know, the value of, of doing it comes down, doesn't it, because of that. And so life is, you know, you do, most people have to do something else now. And I live in a cooperative community, which helps. Yeah. Oh, do you? And I grow my own herbs. You have your own what? I grow my own herbs. Oh, well, that's the important thing. You know, that's, it's. So, but you live in a, a, not a commune, but a community. A community, yeah. Living environment. In London. Oh, nice. Hmm. Whereabouts? What area? I'm in Southall. Southall? Yeah. Well, good good transport links from there. Yeah, so, it's across the road. I'm in a listed yeah. building, you know. Fantastic. Southall Market is amazing as well. You get some incredible things down there. Um, okay, moving on. Let's talk about future sound experience because as, as I mentioned before, we met each other briefly there online when um, the Ivers Academy, which I've been involved with for many years, got rebranded and restructured there's a lot more young blood in and a lot more interesting people involved now it's not a stale male late 50s kind of thing anymore oh i'm a fine one to talk you know but um so uh and, and one of the new reorganizational ideas was to create some subcommittees to feed in ideas to the main board and um so the word went out and myself and many got together, uh, together with a lot of other people, and we were looking for a name for something that kind of embodied um, future developments in music and how music's going to be used and performed using, uh, incorporating all the new technologies as well. Um, but, you know, just generally the whole scene, because, I mean, most of these kind of things like the Ivy's Academy just focus on, used to focus on just traditional songwriting right. or, or performance. Um, anyway, so glad to say one day I had my one good idea for the year and came up with Future Sound Experience, which which um, I really like the name of because it sounds like something, it sounds like a Prince offshoot. Um, yeah. yeah, it does. It does. And of course, as soon as it got started, I had to back away because I found that, that I'd been taking on way too much work and I was starting to burn out. So um, so I've lit the fuse and now Many is um, is the kind of queen of the uh, future sound experience. So tell us how that's all going. Well, it's it's amazing. It's it, We've created a beast, honestly. Everyone wants to be on our council. <laughs> it's the coolest. It is definitely the coolest council on on the Ivers Academy. Um, and at the moment, we're inundated with AI 
stuff oh, right. because it's very, very fast. It's changing oh, yeah. so quickly. Um, and we're, we're dealing with that, really. There is a Future Sound Experience week in September. Is there? Nobody told yes. me about that. Which, or maybe I haven't read the email, probably. I'll be in touch about that because it'd be yeah, great yeah. to come and speak and be on the panel. And I'd stuff. love to, yeah. Um, and we're sort of setting up some events for that. But we have, you know, obviously to maintain creator's copyright so they can be traceable yes. and paid for what they have contributed into AI. I'm not anti-AI. I actually work with it myself. I've started experimenting with it myself because, you know, we are these people, aren't we? And interestingly, a lot of people on the Future Sound Experience Council are working with it. Really? It's about, you know, everyone's so afraid of it. And it's about the thing that we're afraid of is that we won't be paid and that our efforts will be pointless because if we're not traced and people can just take whatever they want for nothing, then we're going to be in a very different world. So that's what we're lobbying against, really, um, not just on Future Sound Experience Council but with the IVAs generally. So we're speaking to universities and developing relationships there before staff get sold off to companies. We're hoping to sort of have more influence there and have a seat at the table before it gets to like streaming problem. Yeah. In there, we've all, you know, in the social media problem that, you know, all the data that people have, which is really worth a lot of money. And well, you know, this is the issue, isn't it? themselves to it. I don't have a problem with people rinsing me for my data, provided they don't use it for fraudulent purposes. Mm. I do mind them not paying me for that. Um, so, yeah, AI, I just need to talk about this for a second. So, yeah. Um, I love the idea of it as a creative tool. When people come to me and say, you know, could you, what, what in, if you could wave a magic wand, what would be the best use of AI for your creative practice? And I've said to them in the past, if I could have like a little kind of sonic butler on my desktop going, suggesting, suggesting stuff to me as I'm writing or arranging, saying, yeah. Oh, hello, Mr. Ware. I think you'll find this on the, the 8th of January, uh, 1983. You, David Bowie's birthday. Yeah, you pre... Is it? Is it? Oh, wow, that's weird, isn't it? You were just talking about him as well. I know. Uh, that that uh, you... you uh, I think you'll find that you did this thing with the strings in this particular song, and maybe you'd want to try that. You'd have to be concise than that but mm. the idea of ai suggesting creative alternatives that, mm. it's like stops you having to store everything up here yeah or or sift through absolutely you know, i mean i've got like 40 years of stuff mm. which had you know memories uh, will start getting less effective so that sort of stuff i can dig yeah yeah, um, yeah. because it aids the creative workflow hmm. and 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 uh helps you go oh do you remember when we did that sequence of chords and that had that emotional effect so hmm. i'm going to make it make me call call it call me sir oh i love that <laughs> oh it's brilliant <laughs> this is 
is how it works. This is how it works. So you train a model with your with whatever it is. So at the moment, I'm we're training a model with my voice, and it's gonna it's gonna be very interesting what comes back, and then we're gonna start working with that. So, you know, it's really exciting stuff. And the way I see AI is that. You know, have you heard about all this kind of consciousness about 3D and 5D and all of that stuff? Not 3D sound, we'll talk about that in a minute. But 3D as in um, everything that's on this planet at the moment and the consciousness of planet Earth is 3D. And what people want to, what some people are here to do is to raise the vibration to 5D, 12D, you know, and it's just going to keep going. But what I think AI is, is the 3D coming back. It is our unconscious. It's everything collectively. It's like what Jung said about the collective unconscious. It's everything that's gone into something that just randomly will come out. Everything that consciously went in is now unconscious and it comes back out. So if I was to train an AI system with my voice and then it comes back out, it's what I've put in there. What's happening in the world is that it all, you know, it's everybody's all together, but you can train your own and have it come back. So where? Uh, ah, <laughs> I love that. No, I don't. Um, I think it's funny. Why? The, no, but the thing, the thing that, that concerns me, and it's not an irrational fear because everything that's led to this point is generally driven by finance and money. Mm. Um, is say for instance, I mean, you what they do, what you're doing with your voice is uh, a completely innovative, creative, and beautiful. That's not a problem. But say for instance, my Sonic Butler model went for creativity. If I train or allow a an AI program to trawl through all my compositions and all my recordings mm-hmm. and everything I've ever done, all my productions, everything. And that knowledge exists as a discrete thing. Now, I'm thinking, oh, isn't it great? I'd have access to it instantaneously. Um, but that's assuming it's my private property. Exactly. Unfortunately, there's an awful lot of... Um, uh, bad faith actors in this field who will go, oh, we'll do this for you for dead cheap, and we'll do it online, and we'll do it, we'll do it on our servers, mm-hmm. and but before you know it, the the knowledge is being monetized by someone else. This mm-hmm. is my big worry. Exactly. And so it's not we're not talking about a world where, or we're not get just not not a world where we're just not getting paid for our compositions we're potentially looking at a world where we're not getting paid for the uploading of our creativity into the cloud. Yes, absolutely. Cultural decline. Cultural decline, without question. If it's not policed, then we've got a problem. Yeah. I think. So, yeah, that's what we're lobbying. The idea itself, of course, is always, you know, it's a genius idea but what people do with it and how some people take advantage of the situation to make money that... How's it going to rinse out, do you think? Well, I think I'm hopeful. I am hopeful that we're 
going to trace artists that are feeding the system when the stuff is going back out right? so that they can be paid. So we're talking about, and this has been around for at least a decade, uh, the idea of meta, automatic meta-tagging. This is quite detailed for people who are into this world, but basically all it means is that every, uh, there, there, there have been discussions about being able to put a, uh, a, a, a connected online plugin that would be in, say, Logic, mm. that would immediately watermark your work with all the details of who the co-writers were, blah, 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 all the PPL, PRS details, everything. Mm. Coded automatically, stamped, and it's there and you can't rip it out. And so anywhere that gets performed or or uh, or, or reused anywhere on earth, you get paid something. Yeah. Now that technology and the theory behind that has been around for a long time. Mm. Uh, and but it's a bit like electric cars in the thirties. That uh, the powers that be, I don't think, want it to happen. Mm. Uh, but that's where people like the Ivers Academy come in in terms of lobbying. Yeah, it's, it's entirely feasible. It's not a particularly complex piece of coding. You could insert that as a plugin on the on the master fader on anything that you create on your digital audio workstation, mm. and it could imprint it inaudibly on the track yeah so it's possible and it's easy it's also possible to strip it probably and people just have to be willing to do yeah. that and will everybody do the right thing if we make them do the right thing they will but well as we're increasing the more automated kind of um royalty scenario mm. then it's it ceases to become so much of a conscious decision at the at the at the collector's end. It becomes more. It should, in theory, be more like an automatic payment, which doesn't have to be mediated through a third party. Mm. This is all a bit technical for our listeners, but mm. it's quite interesting, I think. You know. um, okay, let's move back onto creativity. Uh, I love the fact you banned guitars, by the way. <laughs> And then um, what did I banned for the second album. I banned, um, I banned something. Oh, I, I, I banned vocal compression. That was my other feminist sound. Interesting. I, I banned vocal compression because Why? I didn't. Well, because you know, with all the the limiting, the max limiting that happened, um, and just the 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 super compression of the female vocal, and it kind of took the character away from. The female voice and it made the female voice sound really young and I this was an album about not being able to have a baby because I was getting technically you know we haven't evolved yet science hasn't reached you know the level that we wanted at the time you know I, I wanted to sound like a mature woman I didn't want to sound like a child and I wanted the character to, of my voice to come out you know my background's Greek and my sound is I've got quite a heavy sounding full voice and I I wanted that to come across I didn't want it to sound like this kind of you know the McDonald's voice so so I limited the use of compression and we automated instead 
Oh, yeah. That, that's... It sounds, we manually automated it, and it sounds so yeah, much better. better. Yeah, I know it does. I mean, yeah. a little bit of compression is fine. It's just that, you know, it, it, it can go overboard, and I just wanted to make sure that wasn't going to happen. So I'm just curious. Um, obviously, you know, you're, with your background and the stuff you've done before, you, 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 you're treating your, your voice as an instrument. As well as a traditional singer with lyrics and blah blah. Mm. I mean, do you? How much do you kind of take the atomized version of your the sounds that your voice makes and create different soundscapes out of them, or or rhythms, or whatever you do? I I, I still am not entirely familiar because you take everything offline. <laughs> I'll send you. It's coming out. It is coming out, and. I'm releasing something every couple of months now. So all these things that we're talking so about. Do you, in other words, do you use your voice as a wide range of palette of options and manipulations and and stuff like that? Yeah, we 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 put it through effects. You know, um, Cygnus Rift has does sort of long chain effects and things like that. So you know, put puts it through manglers and and things. So it it stops sounding like what it originally sounded like. Right. And if you love electronics, which I know you do, and you would understand this, when I hear a waveform, when I generate one through alchemy or, you know, some yeah. of the other sort of online synths that are in Logic, and I get the waveform before I start playing with it, I I feel it. You know, I really feel the wave. Some people will listen to anything electronic and just, not have a connection but i i think there is emotion yes in, you know absolutely and, that's the history of my career trying to convince people of that yeah i've got a tip for you actually if you're in love with the kind of visual representation of waveforms connected to what you're hearing um you can get relatively cheaply uh, an online oscilloscope which shows you because uh, I use it, I, I've got one, and I use it to examine the waveforms that are coming out of my System 100 because it's quite pure mm -hmm. in terms of um, oscillators and filters and everything. Oh, wow. So I use it for teaching as well, so you can show the effect that different you know, like ring modulators have and what that visually looks like, you know, um, when you get overtones and all this and you can see the different mm -hmm. shapes. I'm fascinated with all that stuff. So I yeah, for, and it's not just tip for you, but uh, for, for um, any any budding electronic music. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a really useful tool. And now, because actually, it's that thing. Once you've seen it, and you connected that, <coughs> the synapses are connected in your brain. You don't actually need to look at the oscilloscope again because you can actually revisualize what the pure waveforms look like or, or or the modulated waveforms yeah god this is wow. getting technical now um go down the rabbit hole don't we yeah no but that's that's what we're here to do uh i think an hour is quite a long no it's quite a nice time to moderately explore the uh, some in-depth stuff yeah. um, they're separate conversations aren't they but it's okay yeah that's all right i like i, I like dodging about personally um Right, where are we? So you're a healer as well. Are you training to be a healer? I'm I am finally getting official training from right. the although I've been doing it for 20 years. 
um, from the Spiritual Association of Great Britain. I'm almost qualified. I, I've done my theory. It takes two years. I started in the lockdowns um, a bit late with my um, sort of clinical hours. Right. In fact, I think I've put them in. We just haven't done the paperwork, but it's okay. I mean, I'm I'm nearly there. I'm there, but I just need the paper. But the Spiritual Association of Great Britain is a fantastic organisation and it's the very first. It used to be called the Marlebone Spiritual um, Association. I live in Marlebone. I'm here, here in Marlebone, yeah. It's interesting how you chose that place because oh. it was the first, it was the first, um, the first spiritualist association. And um, Arthur Conan Doyle, who wrote Sherlock Holmes, was, did you know he was quite famous in the psychic world? He was a psychic. I didn't know that. I know he was interested in it. I didn't know he was. Yeah, he was a a psychic. It's really well documented with SAGB and also with the College of Psychic Studies, which is now in South Ken. Wow. And, um, yeah, it's really documented that um, he was a doctor as well. So he was really interested in um, life after death. So his imagination came out via a detective. Interesting. But, um, have you had any psychic experiences? I mean, you must have. Have I? Oh, God, yeah. I have them all the time. Oh, tell us. Come on. Spill the beans. Oh, where do I start? Spill the psychic uh, beans. Oh. Um, Come on. It needs to make it into my book. I'm doing a book based on the podcast. And it, I need, oh, okay. Um, I, need a, an, I need a juicy story from you. There's just so many. I Like I would dream something and you wake up and it just happens, you know. Like my mum had this horrific car accident and the night before I had this dream that, you know, my car had crashed into the tree. So um, and it was interesting because I was supposed to go that day and I didn't. And so my dream was that my car had crashed into the tree but, in fact, her car the next day crashed into a tree and she it was really, really serious car accident. But so you're a precog. You all the time. <laughs> you're Say a again? precog. A precog. A precog? What's that? A precog is it's from like various science fiction films. Oh. Like you, you, you see oh, the, none that I've read. You see the future. Oh, um, yeah. I'm yeah. not saying that's possible, by the way. Uh, oh, really? I find it fascinating as a concept. Mm. Um, I think the options, maybe yeah. there are lots of streams of conscious of life that run together, like our life instinct runs along with our death instinct, runs along with other possibilities, and they all sort of exist concurrently and move into the future. How? Maybe it's a possibility. Oh, no, listen, I don't rule anything out. No, absolutely. Um, do you have any uh, great interest or knowledge of Aboriginal culture? I'm interested in it, and it's it's interesting you say that because I'd like to make an album of lots of Indigenous communities around the world. Um, fascinated. There is one that some of the choreography from this new ambient record is inspired by something that I saw when I was a child and it was of some Australian Aboriginal people dancing and there was something in the energy of that that was so otherworldly and they were contacting spirits and it it was it it was so beautiful it's just stuck in my 
Mm, of course. That's why I ask, because I think, yeah. you know, what you're talking about mm. reminds me of all the kind of stuff that I've experienced, uh, not experienced directly, but, I mean, read about uh, Aboriginal yeah. culture and uh, and the rituals especially. Uh, yeah. One of my friends is... Um, uh, a, a, a sonic archaeologist, really, ah. goes around the world looking at sound rituals from from ancient um, ancient monuments and also ancient um, cultures, and uh, so it fascinates me too. You know, we have forgotten, you know, ninety percent of the stuff that we used to know. I believe. I believe in ancestral memory. I believe in, um, mm. in 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 the fact that we can change our DNA by our experiences during our life, and if that's the case, then it's always been the case. In which case, we are mm. the embodiment of all previous experiences from our ancestors. Yeah. So, I think the Aboriginal um, people fascinate me. Yeah, and the, the Aboriginal um, probably the 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 oldest extant uh co you know a, a continuous culture on earth possibly mm -hmm. yeah possibly. anyway and... so what we need to do is get a bbc documentary series where we travel around the world looking for evidence oh yeah a bit, like, a, a bit like um a, a bit like a kind of adventure film, but but um, and I'm Michael Douglas, and you're the other, you're the whoever it was with. Uh, no, anyway, we go around with a film crew on the big expenses, and we we're looking for uh, evidence of sound rituals around the world wow. and trying to and trying to re uh, reconnect those to a, a highly technologically advanced world. Wow, yes. A good idea, isn't it? Because this is, I've had this vision as well. And you know what's interesting? You will always find at least that they sing together and that they drum. Yeah, of course. You know, and that it's been going on for a really long time. And there, there will always be something still relevant about it and bringing it into the future and making it. Well, this is a bit like the kind of Afrofuturism thing as well. You know, it's like, Let's reconnect with what makes humanity great for yeah. the for the benefit of all mankind. Yeah. Not just view everything through the lens of empire, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which when I was in Africa once, there was a Zulu tracker. My God, this person had lost their camera. And we, you know, we were out for eight hours a day driving, looking, you know, for animals and you know, animal watching. And I was like, you're not going to find your camera, woman. You're like, there's absolutely no chance. Why are you asking this guy to go back into the bush? We've been driving for four hours to go to that exact same place where we saw the, we were lucky enough to see the leopard and go back there. And you're, you're really going to find your camera? Yeah, right. We go back. This Zulu guy pulled out her camera from like kilometres and kilometres of bush. I mean. Wow incredibly connected to the land you know and the same with Australian Aboriginals incredibly connected their whole thing with song lines and you know it's it's amazing it's amazing how well they know 
I, I, I have to introduce you to um, my friend Charlie Morrow, who's like kind of my mentor. I may have mentioned him before. Um, he's like, I don't know, he must be nearly 80 now, but um, he lives in Finland. But he, he was in um, Manhattan for a very long time. He's one of the early kind of sound experimental artists in the 60s and 70s. Um, done amazing stuff. Amazing. I need to introduce you to him because he mm. actually spent, uh, at one point, he spent months. He went out into a to a First Nation reservation in, in Canada and spent months with the local shaman learning their sound rituals and stuff. He does that sort of stuff, has done. Yeah, amazing. His knowledge cannot be allowed to leave this earth without it being uploaded into people like us. Mm -hmm. so um i'm gonna note that down yeah i've written it down don't worry yeah yeah so remind me yeah <laughs> yeah uh, you'll get on like a house on fire i mean oh. for instance he, uh, a couple of years ago he's been involved in this thing it's the solstice solstice yesterday yesterday <laughs> happy solstice um, uh, and uh for three or four years in a row he did uh a 24-hour online event uh, with the sun coming up in in every every time zone, and mm. artists in every time zone performing and all this is, is oh, how gorgeous! It's, it's a great idea, and just to make people aware that we're all connected, you know, mm. In, mm. In, in shorthand. Um, this has been great. I just feel like we're starting to scrape the surface. You no, know? that's what it's like, isn't it? Yeah, it's really something. I do like that TV show idea though. What does the BBC is? I don't know. I would think. Look into it and see. Yeah. We'll do it. I'm sure we'll do it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, stupid questions at the end. Um, okay. Okay. What's remind me to tell you about epigenetics as well, because you mentioned. Yeah, that's what I was talking about earlier, epigenetics. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I love all that stuff. Mm. I believe in it. It explains oh, ancestral yeah. memory. Yeah, okay. and it, it really, the healing movement is so into that at the moment with 5D and... Yeah, so much to talk about. We talked about, uh, I've told uh, talked to you before about 111 hertz, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that frequency wow. which puts us all in a trance. Anyway, moving on, um, what's your favourite film? Oh, my God. One of them. <laughs> One of them particularly important for you. Um, oh, I love um, Blade Runner. Mm. And um, I love the sort of all the Aussie films, those really slow sort of meditative. Oh, walkabout. Just gorgeous. The 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 Greek weird wave, all the new Greek films. Do you know those? No, I don't. Yeah. Oh, oh, they're amazing. Like um, Yorgos Lanthimos, Athena Tsangari, those people. Right. You know, making cool. some really really left field films and they're thanks for that tip I yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll write it down and yeah, i will um favorite it. tv show past present box oh, um oh dear um a lot of people don't watch tv anymore by the way so i got into it in the lockdown <laughs> i started um oh Handmaid's Tale is fantastic. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's really, really brilliant, isn't it? But there's 
there's a couple, but I just can't think of them right now. But I really right, don't worry. That's I'm good. more into films. I'm like millions and millions of films, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Favourite book? Oh, there's hard questions. It's just so many. I know, I know. Um, Only one of them. It's not, okay, like a, right. it's not an exam, you know. Um, It's just pulling things out when there's so many. Um, I love... Oh, there's a few. There's Jeanette Winterson's Lighthouse Keeping, which is good. Yeah, I was obsessed yeah. with lighthouses for a really long time, and she's got a really sort of um, a unique lighthouse story to tell. Oh. Yeah, which, you know, it doesn't end in, like, murder like they all do. Um, Jeffrey Eugenides, Middlesex. It's fantastic. Um, cool. Perfume. Oh, perfume. Perfume. Patrick Suskind, yeah. My, well, great book, by the way. Oh. The film wasn't, didn't do it just. No, no. The book is just, oh. The book, the book, maybe it's not filmable, but. Um, I don't think it is, that's it. We haven't reached that point in futurology. I'm sure we uh, will. Um, my friend Cecil Talas, who's the world's leading scent artist, she was commissioned to create uh, scents for Perfume, the film for the premiere and wow. gave them out to the audience. And at certain scenes, they had to scratch a certain wow. piece of card for the smell. Oh, it's amazing. Because I've really been wanting to bring in scent into my... Well, that's another conversation. Yeah. I can introduce you to Sissel as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, who's your feminist hero? Ooh, they're also very difficult. My God. Um, who's my feminist hero? Um, although we may not be sort of similar, you know, I love um, Jermaine Greer and Andrea Dawkin. Right. And right. a lot of the sort of stuff that um, Sarah Lucas and Tracy Emin, the artists, have done, right. you know, around... Yeah, Andrea Dawkins seems quite extreme, but you know, I it's brave. Okay. Their writings that, you know, at, at the time were really, really brave. But oh no, maybe it's Emily Emmeline Pankhurst. It's hard to hard to argue with that, I think. Yeah. Uh, hard questions. Yeah. But it's only it's only really the purpose of all these questions is is not just to dig into who you are, but just to give our listeners recommendations for interesting things, <laughs> interesting rabbit holes to go down. <laughs> to um, go down themselves. Yeah. And um, feel free to contact us about. Yeah. Um, an epiphanal moment in your life. Ooh. Um, an epiphany. A blinding realisation. Not necessarily oh. blinding. Startling that we are mortal <gasps> yeah it takes a long time to dig that <laughs> to learn that one doesn't it yeah I the ego it just keeps you surviving and it keeps you under this delusion that you're going to live forever i think that's a very good answer i think yeah i think we all kind of subconsciously put it off for as long as possible but mm. You know, when you get to more, yeah, yeah. start thinking about it seriously. Um, uh, which other musician or composer is your favourite? 
Ooh. Um, oh, you've probably got hundreds like I do. Yeah, there are. There are. Um, I love Laurie Anderson. I saw her on Sunday. Oh, shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know what was really beautiful? Sorry, I know there's a quick. Um, at the end, for her encore, she got everyone to get up and do Tai Chi with her. Oh, wow. Just, and she had Lou Reed interacting on the screen with his voice. Oh. Two heroes together. It's just, it was hero heroine. Um, yeah, amazing. Um, I love Meredith Monk. Mm. Um, Schoenberg, Philip Glass, Steve Wright, um, Pauline oh, yeah. Daphne Oram, Delia Derbyshire. Um, Charlie Morrow, who I mentioned, is oh. very good friends with Laurie Anderson. Oh. And actually worked as worked with her in the past in the seventies and stuff. Um, so you can talk to to him about that. Um, what about unfulfilled ambition? Ooh. To be an astronaut. Really, you would like to do that? I'd like to have been an astronaut. I'm still determined that I'm going to dance on the moon in my lifetime. Okay. I think it's feasible. It's just going to cost a lot of money. Well, maybe I went to it then. Yeah. Never know. Um, but, you know, as long as you don't want to go down in a tin can to go and see the Titanic, then uh, mm. I wouldn't recommend that. <clears throat> anyway. Um, I'd like love to have been an astronaut. I used to think that, and then actually I thought about it and I thought, I don't even really like going on fairground rides. Um, and it's all the G-forces and all that stuff. I think I just throw up all the time. Uh, yeah, actually, I used to work on a ship playing piano and I used to get seasick all the time. Yeah. It's yeah, so strange watching this whole grand piano move like this. Yeah. It's it is kind of weird. It's probably not realistic. I mean, you know, it's a fantasy anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a nice idea. Um, Better left to my imagination, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where are we then? So that's that. If you've not been a musician, what what do you think an alternative career might have might have been? Hmm. I don't know because I've had lots of past life regression. Have you? Every life, I'm an artist. In wow. every, which is a bit. It's a bit of a repressive thought. I think in one of them, I, I was a. Um, I was a, an investor and I invested in the talkies because they were the new technology and I just made a lot of money. But I was probably an artist in my spare time. I don't know. I always come back as an artist, but. Wow. Um, I'm, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. You're doing a lot of past life regression. Is that. A, mm. it, 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 how does that work? <laughs> I don't understand you it. Go into a hypnosis and what you see. Right. Out, you know, if it's not true, then I guess it's the depth of your own yeah. consciousness. Um, so um, maybe I would be a, a, a physicist, a quantum physicist, I think. Yeah, you definitely a smart cookie so i can imagine you <laughs> the new hedy lamar or something you know oh my god isn't it amazing that she yeah. invented that she invented uh what was it like basically bluetooth before bluetooth and it was i think used for warfare or something yeah 
But she was she was an inventor. I mean, wow, you would never know, would you? Incredible. I mean, I'd love to invent something, but I think that goes that I channel that into my music, but yeah, unfortunately, yeah. really. I mean, I'm not gonna have time to do that, but maybe no. yeah, quantum physics for sure. Yeah, yeah. Why, not? Why not? Um, what's your favorite synth finally? Oh, um I I we've had this conversation about I need to get into analog synths. I've never had one because I've never been able to afford one, but I think I'm gonna start buying them now but um i use at the moment alchemy which i love which is yeah, yeah. um but sound wise i think i like the fair light right Why it's is one that? of those things it's one of those things isn't it because what it emulates i don't like if there's a group of instruments in the orchestra that i least like it's like the wind instruments mm. you know flutes and things mm. And it sort of emulates pan pipes or some sort of wind thing, which I don't like the original sound, but I love the Fairlight sound. I well, like because it. it's an eight originally, we used to have a Fairlight. So hmm. um, I it, we eventually got disused because it was uh, it has such strong limitations because hmm. uh, it was only an eight bit sampler. So what the, what you are liking about it is probably the kind of re, uh, the the kind of you know like the limitations of recording onto a cassette yeah it's basically like that but digital so uh, yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's kind of narrowing the bandwidth taking off the top compressing the middle a little bit and it makes things sound a bit more characterful mm. um it didn't and, and it, this is really weird as well coincidence that i was i've got a, a i've got a fair like plug-in uh soft a soft sense. Um, I think I used that on Gonalef F actually. Yeah. And I've not re since I bought it, I think I've used it back twice, but I was looking at it yesterday and I thought some of these things are quite good. Like this I like the string kind of sound because it's very it's a bit like a Mellotron. <coughs> all that stuff. Totally but generally, sad. yeah. I bought an emulator too, which was like sounded five times better and was like a tenth of the cost. And then that just it became an expensive doorstop at thirty thousand pounds. <laughs> um, that's it. Oh, we did it! Wow. Well, but, I think we should mention because this is unreleased, and you were asking. Yeah, yeah, plug whatever you want. This is your time. Not so much plugging, but you know these records that you want to hear because they're not just available right now. Um, yeah. Check. Sophia Spacer Agency underscore music on Instagram right. and just go there and say hello anyway. Um, and yeah, the first one will be out 31st of July and there'll be lots more. Can't wait. I'll try and put this out near the release date then. Okay. That'd be it. Hmm. Um, I'll make a note near release date. Okay. What a lovely experience it's been. Yay! Oh, we must meet up and have a cocktail. Yeah. In the future. And um, have you got plans for the summer? Are you doing anything nice? I'm going to film a video for the first track that's coming out. And what else am I going to do? I'm going to take a couple of months to write. I haven't had that in a while to just write new music. That would be good. Yeah, I really. I could do that. 
Mm. My, 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 I've taken the notion of a portfolio's career to its extremes now. I never know what I'm doing from one, one day to the next. Um, I mean, I did three gigs last weekend, and then I have to talk to like major corporations about it. And I don't know. My brain is busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good, but I'd rather it was a bit. I did. I'd rather do blocks of stuff. You know what I mean? I think like, the focus is better. Yeah. yeah. I anyway, really like have well. a lovely, lovely weekend, and look forward to seeing you soon. Bye. person I think and very kind of spiritual interesting approach to music and life in general got a lot of time for people who want to devote their time to healing and um, humanitarian stuff and um, and I also got a lot of respect for people whose creative um, life is devoted to being honest and open about their own personal experiences because I think it gives confidence to other people how is everyone? Oh, feel free to email me, electronicallymartin at gmail.com or please consider supporting uh, us via patreon.com stroke electronically hours. Price of a pint or even only a coffee per month. You get this complete collection of nearly 200 episodes now, including the electronically hours stuff. Advert free, completely editorially free and... Um, if you think it's a great resource, which I think by now there must be a few that you like, <laughs> um, and if it's provided you with entertainment, I really appreciate it if you consider supporting us. That's it for this week. Another fascinating guest next week. Bye. This is from Max Drake. Dear Martin Ware, it has been a while since I initially sent my recommendations, but it occurred to me that I should have been more helpful about how to contact them. I have therefore chosen to follow up with this information. Dave Stewart, not the one from the Eurythmics. Yeah, Eurythmics. you don't need to read out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ones. Okay, so I'll just note down. Yeah, note down those uh, things. Uh, so thank you very much. It's very kind of you. And this is always... We're always very grateful to get direct contact details with people that we can interview because it saves us um, a lot of trouble, frankly. Um, yeah, thanks. Have you got thanks, that? Thanks, Max. Um, is this you or me? It's you, technically. Okay. Technically. Hi, Martin. It's from Peter Davis. An interesting and probably a bit hard work kind of guy, but you mention his band every now and then. Peru was Dave Thomas. I toured with him and I have to admit, um, he barely talked to us on tour, which I thought was a bit rude. Liked his stuff, though. Three old bands still not in the nostalgia market. Well, one's gone, Marky e. Smith, uh, but Colin Newman from Wire and Ubu were the three bands that uh, provided mystery from the early 80s. Thanks, Peter. Uh, I shall uh, follow that up. This is from a patron, John Levinson. Tony... Visconti, Daniel Miller, Nick Beggs, Gary Newman, Toya. Oh, no, I know what these are. It's all right. It was that competition we had. Right, right.